Thank you for listening to the Calvary Chapel Lubbock podcast. Our mission of teaching people to love God by showing them how much He loves us starts right now. So what I want to do this morning is read the whole entire chapter right here of Psalm chapter 1, and then we can go back and just go through the verses. And I pray that this morning, this message would touch your heart the way it touched mine as I went through it and looked at it. And uh, it's funny, you could learn, you could study about things, and you uh, meditate on it, you can learn about it. But when God really opens up your heart and really you go through life and you experience these things, you really don't understand it until the rubber meets the road, right? Until your life actually gets to a point where the scriptures become alive. And the source of life we run to is Jesus. It's all for nothing. So let's read this morning. He'll have the scriptures up. And blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, or some of your Bibles may say the ungodly, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his law he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither. In all that he does, he prospers. The wicked are not so, but all, but are like chaff that the wind drives away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. Blessed is the man. The scripture starts off, blessed is the man. And what does, you know, let's define what blessing is. Like my wife sneezed this morning or last night or something. And I said, bless you, honey. You know, it's just a common thing you say when somebody sneezes. Oh, bless you. But what do we really mean when we say bless you? Like what is the definition of blessed? You know, uh, Pharrell Williams had a song. If you're happy, 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 have you, have you, anybody heard that song? It was a few years back, right? He's got the happy song. And then uh, before that, uh, Bobby McFarlane had a song, and it was about happiness. That came, I think, in the 90s, and that was a very popular song. It was like, like, oh, man, that song is catchy, happy, happy, right? And then... What do we as people, you know, inspire to accomplish in our lives? Believers, non-believers. When we, when we ask this question to people, it's like, man, I just want to be happy. What do you want out of life? I just want to be happy. And happiness is defined by different things, right? Like you ask somebody who's not godly, who hasn't been saved or born again, Happiness is a totally different meaning to that person than you ask a believer who's walking with Jesus, who is born again. Happiness is totally different. So let's just go down this happiness. Let's try to define what happiness is for me, for you, for the world, right? Let me take you back. So happiness to me, when I was in my teens, it was just like hanging out with my friends, Playing sports, 
just doing what teenagers do to be happy. And most of that, you're influenced by your friends, right? The company you keep is the company you run with. And growing up, I kept a company that, you know, there was a, probably five or six of us were all in the same grade as, as we came up through junior high school, through high school. We all just, that was my company. That was my happiness. We did things together. When somebody was hurting or somebody was picking on somebody, we were all there with this person to make sure that he was going to be happy, that nobody was ruining his happiness. And then I got into my 20s. I moved away and went to college in Arizona. And happiness totally means something else. Even though I grew up in the church, I learned about Jesus, I memorized verses and stuff like that. You grow up and you leave your parents, you know, you leave the influence that you have growing up and you come into a totally different place for me. And happiness meant to pursue what I wanted to do. What is that? Girls, for guys, it's, you know, as a young man growing up, you know, girls, you pursue the party life. This is before Jesus. You pursue the party life. When I met my wife, it was in a party atmosphere, a party thing. That's how we met. Praise God, we're born again. He took us from that. You pursued girls, you pursued women, you pursued what makes you happy as a 20-year-old person. And what, what is that? Man, I wanted to be uh, noticed, right? Your status. I wanted to be somebody. I wanted to look. I want being the oldest of eight kids. I wanted all my siblings to look at me and I wanted my parents to be proud of me. That what, that's what brings me happiness. And then as I get older and I get married, we get married and we're in a, a relationship that's not with God. We're both in the world. And we're trying to find happiness in each other in our relationship that's broken. Because we entered it without God. We entered it with our own mindset of two people who are not saved. We have no direction. We have no nothing. We just know what we know and we try to pursue it. And we're pursuing our happiness without God. And that was happy. When my daughter was born, that was really happy. Life had changed for me. It's like... I'm no more in my, in, in my teens. I'm no more in my 20s. Happiness is a totally different meaning for me right now. Even though I wasn't walking with God, I was focusing. My happiness was on my family, my, my child, my wife, what we can do. We were trying to buy a house. We ended up buying a house in Arizona. That's where our happiness, hey, we have a, my wife had a solid job. I had a solid job. Our happiness was starting to accumulate our family. Raising our family, accumulating things. Oh, she has a car. I have a car. We have these good jobs. And we each kind of settled in. That was happiness to me in my 20s, going into my 30s. Totally different meaning. We can think of all our friends and families who are not walking with God, who are not born again. What is happiness to them? What are people chasing after? Psalm chapter 1, verse 1. Blessed is the man. This word translated from the Hebrew word. Esher. Esher is the Hebrew word for this word, blessed. And it's plural. Its meaning is 
Happy, happy, contentment, fulfillment, and it's right away. Psalm chapter one starts off: "Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful." And the scripture is telling us. For the man after God's heart, happiness comes from the Lord Jesus Christ, from God Himself. It doesn't come from our status. It doesn't come from our children. It doesn't come from our family. Even though those things make us happy, they give us contentment. But they are all facade of what God has in place for true happiness. For true happiness. You can be in a family, and you could be the most loneliest person in your family. You have kids, you have relationships, you have this, but there's something empty inside of you because Jesus is not there, right? Jesus is not there with you to walk with you. When life gets hard, you try to turn to yourself, and you're trying to make yourself happy. You're trying to encourage yourself, and you're getting counsel from everybody around you because we're lost, we're sinners, we're broken people until we come to Jesus. To find true happiness, blessed translates the Hebrew word esher, which has the idea of happiness or contentment. Esher comes from the Hebrew word ashar. This is the root word. This is the root meaning of what blessed means right here. He says to be straight, to be right. In context, it says to mean to walk with God in a straight path. That is the blessed meaning. That is the meaning of blessed. In the scriptures, right here, it's not what we define it in the world. It's not what the world defines what happiness is, because we have Texas Tech here, and there are students over there that are seeking happiness. They want to pursue a career, and in order to do that, they have to go to and get a degree or whatnot. And there's professors out there that are pursuing happiness. They're teaching all these students. And then there's business people. I work for one of the probably the most、uh, successful businesses here in town, in the car business, and they pursue happiness with money, with success, with how many units we can put out, with how many cash flow comes in. That is happiness to them. What? A, what about you? What brings you happiness, guys? What are we pursuing in our life? Like I, I, I take an inventory of my own walk, and I'm like, what am I pursuing? Sometimes life could be so, you know, you're so focused. You're working, you're working, you're working, and you're focusing on your family, and then right away, like your relationship with God's just, it's just there, right? And it's like, what am I doing? You know, as a believer, it's like you're working, and then God gets the seconds of your time. He gets the seconds of you. When, in actuality, He should be the all of us. Blessed is the man, and then He goes, "Blessed is the man who does not walk according to the ways of the world." Who walks not in the counsel of the wicked or the ungodly? So this morning I'm asking you: Who do we go after for counsel when life happens, when we have to make life decisions, 
We have all these influences around us, right? We have media, we have TV, we have the ads, we have radio, we have music. The Bible teaches us that the, the prince, the, the prince, the power of the air is Satan, it's the devil. And we watch, sometimes I, I have favorite shows that I watch. I like the Discovery Channel. You know, I like to watch what reality is about. I like to watch the Alaska show. I'm like, man, that would be so excited. I can do that stuff. I can live up there. But then we had that cold front come in. I was like, oh, no way. Uh, uh, uh. I can never, I don't know how them people live in that cold. It's too cold. You can't function. Your bones hurt. And it's like, wow, that's crazy. Where do we go for counsel, guys? Where does the world go for counsel? You know, I can think of my daughter right now. She's 24 years old. We've raised her up according to the church, according to the scriptures of God. We try to teach her the best we can do. She's looking at our lives, and hopefully she's learning what the right and wrong way to do things. But in in reality, she has to make her her own decisions. She's at a point right now in her life where she has to decide if she wants to be in church, if she wants to come to church, be surrounded by believers. She has to decide if she wants to walk with God, right? And I'm, I'm thinking back in my life when I'm 24 years old, I didn't care about nothing. I just wanted to pursue happiness. My happiness was party, was girls pursuing the things of the world, was pursuing my friends. Hey, where are you guys going to go out tonight? Let's meet there. Yeah, all right. And we would go out and do uh, sinful things and come back and we would be barbecuing at three o'clock in the morning because you're a college student with a house full of guys and that's where my happiness lied, but it was empty. And I've seen my friends, I've seen people that I know and love who put their happiness in things that pass away. Like I tell you, I'm 50 years old. Like my dad, my father's in his 70s. He's coming to the end of his life. We are all coming to the end of our lives, right? Even though my daughter's 24 years old, even though she has aspirations, she has, she wants to raise a family, you know, do all these things, but tomorrow's not promised for any one of us. What are you putting your happiness in? Where are you getting your counsel, counseling from? The Bible tells us to seek the kingdom of God first. And how do we do that? How do we, you know, how do we live life where we're seeking God's kingdom first? As the scripture says there, blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly. Where are we getting our counseling from? If we spend, as a believer, as a Christian, brothers and sisters, if we spend our time watching TV, you know, that right there is forming your mind into becoming or to, uh, you know, it's forming your mind of how to behave. I'm not saying don't watch TV. I love the shows. I, you know, there's sitcoms that I watch. But we have to check ourselves when we're in that slippery slope and we're like, maybe I'm walking, watching too much television. Where am I getting my counseling from? Am I getting my counseling from people who don't believe in God? Am I getting my counseling from, hopefully my daughter's not out there 
you know, getting her counseling from her young friends who are just out in the world and not doing anything. I, I, I we raise her up to be. I always told her, baby, you have to influence people, or you're going to be influenced by people. You know, you have to take a stand. We as believers have to take a stand in our lives of what we put into our minds, what we look at, where, where we attend, what we do. That really matters. Unfortunately for myself in my life, there's things that I've done and will do that don't please God. But thank God for his grace that I can come to. Blessed means supremely happily or fulfilled. It's plural. It's happy, happy. Where do we find our happiness from? It's from God. In Psalm chapter 1, verse 2, it says this. But his delight in his, is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night. What do you delight in? The blessed man delights in the law of the Lord. What is the law of the Lord? It's God's word, right? You know, these are Jews who are reading this scripture right now. Remember, they Abraham was called out. Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, the promise was given to them. And right now, they were captive. They were taken into captivity by other nations because they would obey God. Everything would go right. They would disobey God, then God would bring punishment on them because they weren't obeying what he wanted them to do. He, the old covenant was God basically saying, okay, you guys do this, you'll have this. If you obey me and keep my commandments, I'm going to put you in the promised land that's flowing with milk and honey. And they would do right, and then they would get to a place like they would start enjoying the things of the other nations and wanted that. So they would sin against God and God would bring some punishment in. What about us? That's like us when we walk with God, right? Sometimes our walk are so great and it's like, man, everything is going well. And then we get into a place where we have counseling or, or, uh, we're, we're, we're just, we're just out there. And then you get into a place where, you know, you may not read your Bible. Um, the way you're supposed to read daily, or you may not go to church, or you your prayer life is off, then eventually you're in that slippery slope, and it's like, man, you feel far from God, and you're unworthy. At least for me, I'm like, man, I feel unworthy to come before God, because God is a holy God, and I'm sinful, and I've lived in this sinful state. What am I supposed to do? You know what? God is more willing to forgive you and cleanse you then we are willing to come to him. The blessed man delights in the law of the Lord. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Deuteronomy. The laws of the Lord were the first five books of Moses, the first five books of the Bible. And these guys knew the scriptures. And they have to be reminded here in the first psalm. It's very important. The first psalm, he says, blessed is the man. They have to be reminded, you guys are blessed, Israel. Israel, you guys are blessed. You guys need to come back to God's blessings. Why? Because if you walk in the way of the un ungodly, the sinful state, you won't have blessings the way that God wants you to have them. And how do you get that, Israel? By delighting in the law of the Lord. What do we delight in? 
Where do we put our time and energy and effort? I was just taking an inventory of myself this year. Man, I've been so focused on work. There's quotas that we have to meet. And it's like, you know, because I'm, I'm, I'm really driven to, uh, to succeed, to meet certain standards. Because to me, I'm like, man, I represent God and I want to do the best I can do so others can see. But you got to, I've got to recognize that once you can put a plan of action in place, but then your plan of action is just your action and God is not involved in it. And then I'm looking back in my life just this year, man, I've worked Monday to Saturdays. I've grind. We have a tax season that we're trying to get the quotas out. Man, it's just like, bam. It's just like, you know, next thing you know, we're in March. And I'm like, where did January, February go? What am I delighting in? Am I delight? Am I finding happiness in my job? The job is good, but God is better. In order to find delight, I have to meditate on God's word. I have to go back to the scriptures, the source of life for us as believers. I see all these blue chairs. There's probably over a hundred chairs in here. And it could be filled up. And this is a place where we come as believers to be encouraged. To delight to find happiness in fellowship with other believers. And yet we look around, it's empty. And yet we go to a sporting event. I love football. We go to sporting events. We can make time for every other thing we delight in. You know, our kids' sports, family stuff, we delight in those things. Man, we make time everything else. But when it comes to God and his what benefits us is like, yeah, I won't delight in that stuff as much. Meditating. When you hear the word meditation, what comes to your mind first? Here's what comes to my mind. It's like, okay, I'm going to go meditate. In Eastern meditation, this is what they do. They empty their mind so they can be filled with purpose. Personally, I think that invites demonic activity, demonic things to come into what you want filled in your mind. If you're a believer, just know this, if you're a believer in Jesus, you're born again, the devil can't touch you. <laughs> it's like there's no demonic force that will come over you because you, the Bible tells us that we are sealed with the Holy Spirit. Do you understand that? We are sealed with the Holy Spirit. Like nothing can take your salvation. I'm, there's two camps to this, but I'm on, nothing to me, as I read the scriptures, as what it's telling me, it says God seals you until the day of redemption. Like he seals you, like you belong to him. And then we talk about, well, what about those people who came to church and gave their lives to God and now we no longer, they, they did, they don't worship God anymore. They just walked away. They don't believe in the faith. And we've seen, personally, I've seen that in our mainstream Christianity where musicians who have worshiped 
who are in charge of these great worship groups. There are leaders in the church who are leading thousands of people have fallen away. And why is that? And everybody wants to blame God. God gets all the blame for this when God gives us a free mind, free will to make our own decisions. We're not robots. We're not forced to love him. And this is what I say to that. For those who come and profess faith, then we, then they denounce the faith. This is what I say to that. Read John 1.1. Read the book of 1 John. Those people who were part of us were never of us because they didn't have the Spirit of God in them. Right? So don't be discouraged, brothers and sisters, when... You know, people that you know in your family and your friends who who walked with you in the past and no longer walk with them. Don't be discouraged. Pray for them. It's not us who does the saving. It's the Lord Jesus Christ. And we have to remember that. Don't be discouraged. Pray. Pray. Meditate on God's word. And what is meditation? For me, meditate... We're going through the one-year Bible. Who's doing the one-year Bible? Man, the one-year Bible is great. It's challenging. Like I can, I pull my phone. You can actually do the one-year Bible on your phone, right? There's like, there's Bible apps on there. There's a Bible app, UVision. Man, that, that Bible app is great. It's got plans. You know, you could tag, it's like a Facebook for believers where you could friend other believers in there and then you could be accountable to one another. Like my wife is, my wife and I are doing the one year Bible and we have a couple friends in there. And it challenges me because, you know, it's not, it, it doesn't become legalistic, right? There's a way you can walk in your Christian life and become legalistic, which I mean like, you know, you can start judging yourself, judging other believers because they don't put up the standard that you put up, that you have for yourself, you know, and then you lose the grace on that. But technology is a great thing. Technology is amoral. Like this phone is amoral. It doesn't care if you have morality or don't. It's just a tool for us to use. And unfortunately, this thing could be an evil tool for us to use, Right? I'm not going to go there, but if there's things you can access on this phone that are evil. There's also things that you could access on this phone that are very, very godly and very, we could use it for the kingdom of God. So I'm on this Bible app and we have other friends and it challenges me like every day. Now I get into the routine because you can put a reminder on there right about 1.30 o'clock is when I usually try to take time away from work. And just, you know, take an hour and just uh, not do anything. 1.30, it goes off and it reminds me to read my daily scriptures. And then also, I don't even have to read it. You can listen to it, right? So if you're a lazy reader like I am, you could have Bible apps where they can talk to you. And when you are home and then uh, when you're getting ready for bed, you can have the Bible app. And the word of God is meditating In your mind. Can you believe that? God is so good. He's given us all this, all these things, right? All the technology that we have. We have Bible teachings. There are many, many more 
biblically sound Bible teachers than I will ever be that are on here. What are we meditating our minds with? And I'm not saying we don't have to do, you know, we can't watch TV, we can't go to sporting events, we can't do this, we can't do that. What I am saying is, what are you doing with Jesus? Where are you at with Jesus? If there's distractions in your walk, you know what they are. I know what they are. We have to come to Jesus. If we need help, go to another brother, go to another sister. Go to God the Father. Father, I struggle in this area. Please help me. It doesn't have to be an eloquent prayer. Oh, God, art thou in heaven. Hallowed be your name. God just wants you to come. Come as you are. If you're religious, come. If you're broken, come. So there there was three points I want to make out of this scripture. So the first one was in verses 1 and 2, which we cover the influence. What influences us as believers? The second one is found in Psalm chapters 1, verses 3 and 4. And where do we go for the source? Where do we get our strength? Where Where do we go to find life? This is what the scripture says. Psalm chapter 1, verse 3, it says, He shall be, who is that? The blessed man that he talks about. The blessed man shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth its fruit in the season, whose leaf also shall not wither. And whatever he does shall prosper. I love this illustration. Look at that. We're in West Texas. We drive around and we see the cotton farmers. Sometimes we drive around and everything is just brown and dead and like, man, why did I move here in this first place? You know, I lived out in California. I was like five minutes from the ocean. You know, I grew, I was born in the islands. I grew up in the islands. Everything was green and lush and stuff like that. And then you're in Lubbock, Texas, and everything is like brown. Like right now, everything is brown. Everything is starting to come alive because of the times is changing. And we thank God for the springtime. We thank God for the rain. But everything is brown. Everything is dead. And you're like, man. And then, 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 uh, then we see on the news, the cotton farmers, oh, oh, the cotton farmers are just wanting the rain to come to saturate so that the cotton could have life. Right? And the psalmist gives us an illustration of what a blessed man looks like. He is like a tree planted by the rivers of water. Water. The Bible talks about the water resembling the Holy Spirit. That's us. That's us. That's us, guys. The family of God, we have the water, the Holy Spirit in us. The Bible tells us when we gave our lives to God, he gifted us the Holy Spirit. And at times we don't access the power that we have within. The power that we need to live life. When times are hard, when people pass away in your life, when you don't have enough money, when you're financially broken, when things are just not going right, Where do we go? The river of water. 
resembles the Holy Spirit. And what is the fruit of the Spirit? The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, patience, peace, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. When others look at you, do they see those things? Are you loving? Are you kind? Are you patient with people? I know I'm not. When it comes to work stuff, I'm like, just get it done. I don't want to hear no excuses. Get it done. I just want to give me my what I need. And as a believer, you're like, you don't represent God well when you're acting like that. We need to have patience in your life. They're looking at you and they're like, yeah, and that guy wants to tell me about Jesus. Ain't no way I want to listen to him. He is not patient with me. He is not kind. He yells at me. He doesn't say good morning. Sometimes I get into that state and I'm just like, have to go back to the source of the living water, the Holy Spirit. Because if I'm not plugged in, if you're not plugged into the Holy Spirit, if you're not plugged into the word of God, if you're not plugged into the church, his church. We don't have true life. So we need to be plugged in. We need to be planted like this tree next to the water that brings it life. And what happens? The fruit, the fruit of the spirit, your life is fruit. Everyone's looking at your life. My family looks at my life. And sometimes I mess up. It's like, man, that was, you know, that was not of God. People are looking at us, guys. What fruit are we bringing in? What fruit are we showing? And then he talks about whose leaf also shall not wither. Wither is death. Have you ever seen a tree? Like right now, we can go out and we can look. The cottons, there's, the, the leaves are withered. Some trees are just starting to bloom, but dead leaves, I hate dealing with leaves because I've got two big old trees in the front of my yard, in front of my house, and every time at this time, like, the leaves are everywhere, and I have to get the leaf blower, and I'm breaking them up. I'm like, man, everything looks good. But then a very three hours later, it's like, where did all those leaves come from? They're dead leaves. We don't want to be dead leaves. We want to have healthy Christian lives. We want to be healthy in our walks with God. And then he says, the psalmist says in one three. Whatever he does shall prosper. Does that mean whatever we do, we prosper financially? We're not, we're, we, we don't align with the prosperity teaching. You know, the, you know, some of the richest Christians, now just hear me out. Some of the most richest Christians are the poorest believers. Cause they are rich in like, Places in Cambodia, Vietnam, in the third world, Africa, and some of the Pacific Islands, where they don't have anything. They have Jesus, and that's all they need. They all focus on Jesus Christ. They are rich because they have God. And what do we chase here in America? We chase prosperity. 
As believers, we chase, we want the best for ourselves. We're selfish people. You know, I can look at some of my past purchases and I'm like, I'm going to spend $1,000 plus on this thing just because I want it. And I don't go to God for counseling on it. It's like, I don't even pray on it. God, I'm about to spend a thousand plus on this. No, it's like, yeah, I want that stuff and I'm going to go get it. I could care less. I'm not going to pay that bill, that bill. I just want that thing and then I'm in debt. Like I'm, I'm part of the financial world and I look at credit because I deal with credit all the time. And I'm like, and I try to educate people who I sit down with and I'm like, Listen, you only make this much a month. You want the most expensive thing here, and I'm not going to give it to you. And they're like, why not? I've got $4,000 I could put down on it. And I said, the last thing I want to do is give you this thing and then pick it up six months and you're out five grand. And they appreciate that because as a believer, as a man after God, I want to make sure integrity is everything that we have as far as, as far as believers, right? You want to make sure you do the right thing regardless of how big or how small it is. It's not about prosperity. We don't seek the things that the world seeks. We don't seek the richest things. It's okay to have, if you're blessed with those things, praise God, Right? But don't let those things become idols in your life that takes over what God wants to do with you. So we need to plug into the source, the Holy Spirit. Psalm 1-4 says, The ungodly, the wicked are not so, but are like the chaff which the wind drives away. So we have, you know, the chaff. And back in this time, they're talking about the wheat. You know, when they go and do the wheat thing and they're getting all the wheat, what they would do is, you know, in the wheat, there's chaff. The chaff is on the outside of the wheat. So the good stuff is in the chaff. So when they, you know, when they go out and pick all these, when they have it, the chaff is just dead weight. It's, it doesn't provide any value. And this is what the Word of God says. The ungodly, the wicked people, the ones who don't follow after God, pursue the righteousness of God, they are like chaff which the wind drives away. What is the chaff in your life, in my life, that we need to just put aside and put away? Is it some comforts in this world that we pursue that should be God in place? You know, is it material things? You know, what is it? For every one of us is different. Is it relationships? Are there bad relationships we need to get rid of? The chaff? Are there people in our walks, in our lives that we need to just put aside the chaff? Not because we don't love them, because they will influence you the wrong way. So one and two, we have the influence. We see where our influence comes from. The blessed man, we should be influenced by the word of God. And we see we need to plug into the source, the Holy Spirit. And then we all have a destiny in uh, Psalm chapter 1, verse 5 and 6. This is the last point I want to make. Destiny. We all have a destiny, brothers and sisters. Psalm chapter 1, verse 5 says, Therefore the ungodly shall not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteousness. So right 
Right. We all have a destiny. You and I have a destiny in this world, in this life. There's two groups of people here. The saved and the not saved. The blessed man and the not blessed man. The Holy Spirit filled person and the not Holy Spirit filled person. There's two different people that are here. But what camp are we in? We're in church right now and praise God for that. I think we're all, you know, in the camp that we're supposed to be in as believers, right? But this is my challenge to you. We all know people who are lost. We know what our destiny is. We're only given so much time in our life to live, to be a witness for Jesus. Eventually, our time will come to an end. My question to you is, are you ready? Believer, are you ready? Have you done everything that God, the Holy Spirit, has told you to do? If not, he's putting that in your heart right now. He's telling you there's some certain stuff you need to cut off. He's telling you there's certain things you need to do. We all know people who are not saved. And there's a judgment coming. The Bible talks about there's a judgment for every single person. Thank God we're going to be in the judgment that we're not going to judge and go be, go be gone to hell. Right? But there are people that we know that once they die, they will be judged. And the judgment, guess what? The judgment of that is the wrath of God. What is the wrath of God? Hell. When I first came to Christ a long time ago, and even in the 90s and 80s, you heard hell a lot. You heard Hades, hey, there's a heaven and a hell, and you have to make the decision. Now, it seems like our churches undercuts all that, and we don't want to talk about hell. Hell is real. We don't want to talk about when you die, where you're going to be at, separated from God. There's family members that I have who are passing away, and they're going to die, and they're going to be separated from God. There's a judgment coming. The wrath of God. And it says, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. So we have two congregations. There's a body of believers, and there's a body of unbelievers here. And the judgment comes. But there's good news, right? Psalm chapter 1, verse 6 says, For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the ungodly shall perish. perish. All those who die without Jesus are going to be lost and perish and go to hell. That's a fact. We can't sugarcoat that as believers. And you shouldn't. Because people are going to die, might I can think of people right now in my life who are here in Lubbock who will pass away without God and go to hell. That's very sobering to think about. It's very, uh, it's very heavy. But there's good news. There's Jesus. We come to Jesus 
When we read this, let me take it back. When we read this, I'm going to close this out. When we read this, we are, we were the ungodly. We were the sinners. We were the wicked. We were against God before he saved us. The wrath of God is coming to those because God is a holy God. What are you going to do with yourself when you meet God? Have you come to Jesus? You know, the last teaching I did was on John chapter 3 when Nicodemus, he's a Sadducee. I mean, he's a Pharisee. He's part of the Sadducee. He came to Jesus. And this guy represented everything what Psalm 1 is. He thought he was a blessed man because he knew the Torah. He knew the Bible. He knew the scriptures. He thought he was saved because he was part of a generation, part of the people of Israel. But Jesus said, there's only one way you enter into the kingdom. And that's being born again. I don't care where you come from. I don't care what type of, I don't care if you grew up in religion. I don't care how good of a person you are. It doesn't matter. We all come to Jesus. And for this scripture in Psalm chapter one, we were the lost. We were in the path of sinners. We were the scornful. But yet he saved us when we committed ourselves to Jesus. What does that mean? January 2000, I heard the gospel for real. Like I've heard it in a, in the past before, but God orchestrated in January 2000 for me to hear him very loud and clear. I didn't know anything about, I knew something about the Bible. I wasn't, I don't know what I know now about the Bible. All I know is I was a sinner and I was a sinful person and I needed God. And I heard that God was a holy God and the only way you could come to him was through his son, Jesus Christ. And he said, do you want Jesus this morning? Do you want to be part of the family of God? Do you want your sins forgiven? And I said, yes. I will never, ever forget that day. And what about for us here? We all have our own individual stories. You know exactly the point when you were saved, when God came into your life and he saved you. And now he's transforming you. You're not the perfect person you want to be, but God is helping you along. He's given you the gift of the Holy Spirit. He's giving you the word of God. He's given you the church, his church, no matter if you belong to this church or somewhere else. He's given you everything you need. To come to him. What are you going to do with the wrath of God? For those of us who are saved this morning, we thank you, God, that you've given us Jesus. And in the scripture of Psalm 1, we are the blessed man. We want to delight in the Lord. We want to meditate on his word. We want to be prosperous. Not what the world sees what prosperity is, but what God sees, the fruit of the Spirit. We want to walk in His Spirit. And there's a judgment coming. Where are you at this morning? If you're saved, if God has saved you, we praise Him for it. If you don't know Him this morning, just like Jesus told Nicodemus, come. You must be born again. It's not your works. It's not who you know. It's all about one man. That's our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And that's why we're blessed, right? That's why we're blessed.
It's because of Jesus. Let me pray and we'll close this out. Woo, 1110 almost. All right. Father, I come before you. I thank you and I praise you. I thank you for my brothers and sisters who are here. I thank you for your word. I thank you for Psalm chapter 1. I thank you that we are the blessed because of your son, Jesus. God, we thank you. You are for us and not against us. We put our faith and trust in you. God, your scripture said there's only one way to come to you, and that's through your son. And not only that, you gift us, you give us a gift, your Holy Spirit. You walk with us in this life, the decisions that we make, the mess-ups that we have. Not only that, God, you've given us your scriptures, we can go to it. You've given us your church, we can be encouraged by it. Father, thank you that you had a plan long, long ago. You planned the church, God. Your son Jesus paid for the church. The Holy Spirit builds the church, protects the church. And I thank you this morning that we are part of your church. And I pray, Father, for those that hear this message that don't know you are part of your church, there is a judgment coming. God, I pray for those who are lost that don't know you, that you would just illuminate, that you would bring salvation that you bring salvation from the wrath that you have coming. God, in Jesus' name, we are encouraged by your Spirit, Father. God, I thank you and I praise you. I pray for your blessing upon each and every person that's here today. I pray that as we leave today that we would be Spirit-filled, that your Holy Spirit would just fill us with your spirit, God, that your love, joy, patience, peace, kindness, your goodness, your faithfulness, your gentleness, and especially, Father, us as believers, self-control, that we would have self-control in our walks. We love you this morning. Thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, this is Pastor Josh. I hope this message has encouraged you in your walk with Jesus. If it has, we would love to hear your story of how it has impacted you, or especially if you responded to the invitation to receive Jesus into your heart as your Lord and Savior. To get in touch or to receive more information, please contact us by phone at 806-799-2227 or send an email to calvarylubbock at hotmail.com. Again, that phone number is 806-799-2227. Also, if you want to partner with us financially to take the gospel to West Texas and the world, please click on the Donate button on calvarychapellubbock.org. Thanks for listening to the podcast. May God richly bless you.